Thanks for listening to the podcast from Gary Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Good morning. Good morning, Eastgate. Happy arbitrary incremental time holiday. <laughs> I, I, I like New Year's a little bit, but what I, one of the things that I don't necessarily love so much about New Year's is that uh, I'm just going to be writing the wrong dates on things for like three weeks. Everything's going to be backdated to the beginning of this year because I'm going to mess the date up a lot. Um, I am Adam. I am not the normal pastor. If you're a visitor, I'm not the normal pastor here. Um, uh, the pastor team has gone away to a study sabbatical, so I get to step in. They're getting uh, the next year kind of focused in so we can have a, a clean vision for 2024. I get the opportunity to step in, substitute for a day, so I'm always happy to do that. I'm excited about the message that we got today, so if you, uh, if you know me, buckle up. I hope you stretched out before you got in here, because we're going, y'all. So I do appreciate any, any, uh, any visitors that we do have today. I'm so glad we got the gathering place next door. Thank you for joining online. If you're joining online, if you're still straggling out in the lobby and you can hear my voice, come on in. So this, during the, the New Year's season, we tend to do a, a sermon series called Resolved. And the reason why behind it is pretty transparent. At New Year's, everybody makes resolutions. So we, we like to try to maybe give a, a, a little uh, focus on what the resolutions could be. Everybody kind of does the lose weight thing, go to the gym thing, eat a little healthier thing. Everybody makes it about six weeks. If you do more than that, if you, if you actually stick to it, good on you. Stay with it. Get healthy. That stuff's good. But we kind of wanted to, to take a, a moment and, and, and focus this New Year's resolution. John Edwards, the, the, great, the prominent uh, Great Awakening preacher, John Edwards, um, he, he, has, he wrote this line, and I think, it's, I think it's very applicable. I really like it. Resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. I think that's a good resolution. Never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. And that way would always be growing closer to God, growing more Christ-like. So that Paul's going to help us today. We're in uh, Philippians 3, if you want to pre-turn your, your Bible over there. So he actually, he, he's, he's going to give us a, a, a good word today. Before the text that we're going to be studying today, he actually gets into it a little bit. And, and he's talking about this, this idea, this, this one thing, this one resolution, this one thing that I do is right at the center of, of his statement that I might know him and that the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in death. Share his suffering, become like him in death. That's an incredible way to say, I want to be just like him. I want to be more Christ-like. I want to be incredibly Christ-like. I want to be as much as Christ-like as humanly possible. That's what I want to be. That's the one thing I want. So we as Americans, we kind of overschedule our lives a little bit. I don't know if you're guilty of this. We prioritize. It gets hard to prioritize. So we ended up prioritizing the best we can. Sometimes we're just making it up as we go, and we're not really prioritizing. A lot of times we're having to prioritize things like that are, that are important things, fi family, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, kids, if you've got kids. 
prioritizing them, getting their schedules figured out. I, I, I stopped at one kid, so I make fun of all the families that have like three, four, five, nine kids. I make fun of them, like just running around like chickens with their head cut off because I just have one schedule to deal with, one kid's schedule. And fortunately for me, her, her uh, extracurricular activities align with mine, and so I'll be there anyway. So I got off super, super lucky, all you crazy people with your mini kids. I don't know how y'all schedule all that stuff. It gets tough, right? But it, it, we, we kind of run into this issue where we have to choose a priority. A lot of times you'll hear stuff, people will say stuff like, uh, you know, I don't have enough time to do a particular thing. Yeah, I don't have enough time to do that. Everybody has the same amount of time. It's just where the priority is set. So instead of like, I don't have time to do that, a more accurate way to, do, to, to speak would be to say, that's not a high enough priority for me to spend my time doing it, for me to actually get there, if that makes any sense. So I hear a lot of times, you know, at the gym, we have kids that, you know, they haven't been there a while and they come in and they, yeah, I don't have time, I, don't have, I hadn't had time. That's not accurate, it's just that the priorities changed and maybe work took a higher priority, that's understandable, maybe a health event took a higher priority or family, that's all fine, but it's not that we don't have time, it's that our priority list, the stuff at the top isn't that thing, if that makes any sense. And so if you look at it that way, what Paul is wanting us to do is to prioritize becoming Christ-like. In the letter that he's, he's written to the Philippians, that's the focus of it. He's trying to help them attain Christ-likeness. I learned that Microsoft Word, the document, if you type Christ-likeness, it knows that as a word. That's cool. Yeah, I thought it was going to give me a little red squiggly line, but it did not. Christ-likeness. So he's trying to help them focus on attaining Christ-likeness, and he's going to do it in his way. We can attain Christ-likeness if we follow his guidance here. How do we do it? Paul's going to help us out. Philippians 3, 13 through 14, if you want to get in your biblical devices to exactly where we're going. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That one was short, so I want to read it again just to make sure we get it in there. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to see what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God bless the reading of his word. Amen. So how can we make Christ-likeness, attaining Christ-likeness, our number one priority? Put aside the past. Put aside the past. Paul says it right up front here. He says, one thing, that word, in your translation, it probably says, one thing I do, or but one thing I do, something like that. They had to tweak it a little bit to get the English to make any kind of sense. The word is just, in Greek, it's just one thing, and then he goes for it. One thing, forgetting what lies behind. So it's, it's his, he's singularly focused here. And then he gives us a couple of ways to attain the singular focus of attaining Christ-likeness. One thing... It's forgetting the past. Put aside the past. Forget what lies behind. This one kind of, forgetting is, a, is an interesting word. It, it means something a little different to us than what it means here. And so I want to touch it just a second. 
It's not like forgetfulness. It's not like uh, if you're having to help your kids with their like eighth grade math homework and you're like, I forgot how to do that a long time ago. It's not that so much. Also, they teach kids math weird these days. They don't even do it right anymore. So, uh, so I don't know how to do it anyway. They're crazy way they're teaching them. But it's not like that. It's not like, it's not like um, I don't know if this, this uh, hits any of you guys. It's, it's prevalent in my house. Have you ever done this thing where you're just standing in a room going, why am I here? Okay, I'm in the kitchen. I am not hungry. What did I come in here for? Oh, yeah. Do y'all do that thing? I do that like three or four times sometimes. I'll, I'll, I, don't remember, I don't get the oh, yeah, until I get back to the room I was in. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was going to get a knife to get the... Why am I here again? Oh, yeah. I do it three or four times. My, my house has to look like a madhouse. Kylie does it too, so Mandy's just watching us wander around like idiots. <laughs> we, we got a, in, in, our, uh, in our family, we've got a, a, a saying, I was gonna, but I forgot. That's, a, that's been passed down. I was gonna, but I forgot. So it's not that kind of, if you got a, if you got a spouse that's forgetful, it's not that kind of forgetting. It's not like absent-mindedness or it just falls out. It's an intentional putting away. So it, it's like taking the value away from it. it. It was the thing it was, and it had value in the time, but now it's just something that happened, just to, put, to push it off into oblivion. So that's, that's where that is, the forgetting. So it's putting away the past. Now this happens in, in two different ways. You're putting away the good stuff, you're forgetting the good stuff, and you're forgetting the sin stuff, the bad stuff. And I want to talk through both of those things because they are individual. And sometimes you might think, well, I don't want to forget the good stuff because it was the good stuff. I want to remember it. And then sometimes it's, you know, I don't want to forget the, the, my sin area because, you know, it, I, I don't ever want to go back there. And I want to remember it. So that's what I mean by it's not forgetfulness um, in that it's not in your brain anymore. Just remove the value from it. Just, just take the value off of it. And so the, the um, thing about the good stuff is actually there's a, pretty, there's a pretty great quote here by one of the commentators, commentary writers. Past blessing is, this one is written real crazy, so bear, bear with me for a second. Past blessing is but an earnest of the future. Past achievement of good are stepping stones to greater things. Past sins are viewed in that true repentance in having a sure and certain hope of the final conquest of all sin. What that is a very beautiful, poetic, flowery way of saying is the good stuff in your life is a reflection of the good to come. It's maybe a step that you can build on to achieve more good. That's how it has value is that it has future implications that there has been good. So if you remember God moving in your life at times, that was good in the moment that now only has value if it encourages you that he will move again in your future. Does that make sense? And the same thing is true for your sins. For whatever that mistake you made or made a whole bunch of times or keep making, whatever it is, the same thing is true for that. That that sin is encouraging because we know it's been paid for. It's been redeemed. And so we don't need to give it value anymore. We can remember it not to do it again, to try not to do it again. But that sin in our life no longer has any, any hole over us. 
because Jesus has already paid for that sin to be removed from us. And so that is an encouragement of the future when Christ returns and calls us home. So that's how, what I mean by forgetting is just give it its proper value, which is, which is little of nothing. I have a, um, in, my, in my house, we've got like the fight cabinet. That sounds weird if you don't know me, but we've got like the fight cabinet where we've got like gloves and shin guards and, and, and like headgear and all this stuff. And then on top of it, we've got like trophies and medals hanging off the side of it. And I've got hanging on the side of it a blue ribbon in the sixth grade. All right, let's take you back to the sixth grade. I've got a blue ribbon from the sixth grade hanging on my accomplishments because it was in field day. I was, uh, we were doing a, a, a a uh, field day thing. I don't know if y'all had field day when you were growing up, but we were doing the 100-yard dash, and I got put in the 100-yard dash. And I was in, the, so there was a the school that I was at had like the AG program. I don't know if you know that like the, the, the academically gifted, whatever, whatever, that you take, you were good at taking a test. It's kind of how you got into it, but so I was in that program. So it was a tiny part of that school, but we were kind of like regarded as like nerds and stuff. We were the, you know, the big brainy smart nerd guys or whatever. And so I was in this race, and so all the kids are, you know, moving around, and they're picking, like, who's going to be first, second, third, fourth, dead last. Every single one of them, me, dead last. I got a blue ribbon hanging at my house where I beat all of them. And I leave it hanging up to remind me that it doesn't matter if everybody around me doesn't believe in me. So it has some value like that. But if just, if, if like, my greatest life achievement was winning a race in the sixth grade, that's kind of sad, right? <laughs> so it by itself doesn't have value unless it projects into the future in a meaningful way. There's a, there's a, there's a big... Um, I just want to read this part, and then I'll talk you through it a second. Luke 9. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Don't look back. Don't look back. Once you get hold of Christ, follow him. Follow him. Prioritize him. He's the top priority. Yeah, but I think I left my stove on. I think I left the oven on, God. I got to go back home real quick. God's moving. Follow him. Isaiah 43, <coughs> excuse me, Isaiah 43, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The, this is Old Testament, Isaiah's Old Testament. So the former things he's talking about are like the, the fire pillar in Exodus where they, they were following the pillar of fire and the parting of the sea, all these incredible, the ten plagues, like all these incredible things. And Isaiah's saying, don't worry about that stuff. I got a new thing coming. And that new thing was the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus. So, but that happened in our past. So how do we unpack that. Well, check it out. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the promise that he's coming again. So what we're working off is not, we're not working off of that event. We're working, that event is evidence of the true resurrection that's coming. It's a reflection of that, and so we know he's good for his word because death can't hold him. 
He didn't resurrect and go home and just leave us here. He went home to get it ready for when he calls us home. So that helps me to prioritize because I know in the end, I'm going to be standing in front of the creator God of the universe, Jesus Christ. I'm going to be in their presence, in their holy, holy presence. In 1954, Roger Bannister was the first man to break the, the four-minute mile. And then shortly after that, like a, a month, I think, uh, a man named John Landy broke his record by one and a half seconds. Later in that year, they ended up in a race together that was called the Miracle Mile. It's going to be a one-mile race. There was a bunch of other scrubs in there that were about to get dusted. And then these few guys are going to race it out. Landy, as they turn the final corner, home stretch, Landy's ahead by a comfortable margin. You can see where this is going. He looks back over his shoulder just for a second to see where Bannister is, and he stumbles. Bannister passes him at the last second, wins the Miracle Mile. And in an interview afterwards, John Landy said, I would have won the race if I hadn't looked back, if I hadn't taken my eyes off the goal. That's the thing about looking back, is that you can't be looking at the goal. So put the past away. Number two. Pursue the next step. We're putting the past away to pursue the next step. Straining forward to what lies ahead. Straining forward. This idea of, when I first read it, I had this idea of straining forward being like, like pushing forward, like in a blizzard maybe, pushing forward in a dust storm or something. But it's not quite that. It's actually stretching out for, reaching Reaching out for is the, is the word that they end up using here. S to stretch out. I think of it like a, like a rock climber. If he's got a grip, but he can stretch, he can get a little better grip, and then he can get that next, that next boost. To what lies ahead. This word right here is actually, we kind of think of it sometimes uh, as like um, a neb nebulous, whatever, what, what may come kind of thing, whatever the future holds, a, a, a sort of a nebulous thing. This word specifically is not that. This word specifically is the thing I can see, the next goal I can attain. So this one is not like a, not like a lofty, big, sort of nebulous thing. This is the, the very next, the very next specific thing. When I, when I run, if I have to run like a mile or two or three or whatever, I don't like running. I... I, I don't ever run many miles. What I do is I run to that telephone pole, and then I run to the next telephone pole, and then I run to that tree, and then I run to that stoplight. Because I can't run three miles, but I can run a whole bunch of telephone poles that'll eventually add up to three miles. So that's kind of what this idea here is, is that it, it's not uh, it, the goal that you're after is not some lofty future thing, it's a thing that you can see and attain. We do a, we do a thing, I, I had this idea, and then Alexander McLaren apparently had the same idea 300 years before me, which apparently means he gets credit for it. I think that's messed up, because I came up with it without reading his thing. And then I read his thing, and Jonathan was like, yeah, but he came up with it 300 years before, so jury's out on that. You decide who came up with this idea. 
as long as you vote me. But the misery is that, though people know well enough that they cannot be good carpenters or doctors or fiddlers without certain habits and practices, they seem to fancy that they can be good Christians without them. So in our Christian lives, we tend to say stuff like, I want to pray more, I want to be closer to God, I want to get in the Word more. We, we, tend, to, we tend to have the, these sort of nebulous, Things, these, these, these goals that sound like goals, but they're not really goals. So in the business world, everything is, is metric-driven. I work in a marketing department, so everything is metric-driven and analytics and this decision and, you know, did, was this success? And here are the, we call them success markers or, or, or success checkpoints. And, and so apparently there's an acronym called that's SMART. So, so SMART, when you're setting a goal, you can set SMART goals. The, the S is a specific Measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Specific, you know exactly what it is. Measurable, you can tell when, it, when you've won or lost. You can tell when it's succeeded. Attainable, it's not impossible to do. I want to make $20 million today. Okay, good job, good luck. It's relevant, it's got something to do with what you're actually trying to achieve. And then it's time-bound, and I'll have it done Friday at 5 o'clock. So that's how it works in the business world. We don't ever, maybe you do, maybe you're better at this, I don't, I'm bad at it, ever apply this same principle, these SMART goals, to our Christianity, to our attaining of Christ-likeness. So better, a better goal, maybe, than I want to get in the Bible more, is I want to read, I'm going to read one verse every day for the next 30 days. So that's something I could do. I'll know at the end of the 30 days if I accomplished it. It's relevant. It's going to help me learn God more, get closer to God. And I have a limit of time as to when I can do it. Because if I say I'm just going to read a verse a day, then, you know, the first time I blow it up, then I'm just like, oh, well, I messed it up or whatever. Or, you know, I'm going to read more of the Bible. More, more than what? So, or, or, or uh, maybe um, prayer. I want to pray more. I want to be more prayerful. Instead, maybe something like, I'm going to spend the first five minutes of every day praying this week. When I hit the alarm, I'm going to sit up in the bed so I don't go back to sleep, and I'm just going to spend five minutes, the first five minutes praying. And then maybe you could, you could double it up and say, and then the last five minutes before I set my alarm and put my head down for bed. Ten minutes. But those are, those are measurable. At the end of the week, you can look back and say, I, I did what I said. I'm going to do it again this next week. I'm going to get to that next telephone pole. So these are, maybe, maybe think about your, your Christian goals in that way. You're attaining Christ-likeness in that way. Make smart goals, not maybe the more nebulous goals. Treat your pursuit of Christ like a disciplined race. To the Corinthians, Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, 
but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I find myself should be disqualified. He uses a lot of running imagery. I don't know if you've ever noticed that about Paul. He uses a lot of like racing imagery and running imagery. I think that's kind of cool. I actually, I had, it, it occurred to me this week only that he, he may have actually been like a huge fan of races because it, it, I was thinking about like the Olympics. They would have been happening in that area of time in the area where he was or like the Roman Colosseum. They've got like the chariot races and they, they, you know, foot races in there as well. And so I had this crazy vision of Apostle Paul just like with a slushy or whatever, like cheering his guy on, like watching these races happen. He seemed to be like a, a big fan of racing. I don't know if that's actually true. I'm just saying he uses a lot of running metaphors, racing metaphors. This metaphor works very interestingly because it had never occurred to me. We're all running the race of Christ-likeness. We're all running the race. He says everybody runs the race. One guy wins. I'm going to be that guy. He's got like a competitiveness to his pursuit of Christ to his pursuit of God. That's interesting to me. It also occurs to me that that kind of means in a real roundabout way, he's talking trash to me because he's saying, I'm not going to be that guy. I can outrun you, Paul. You don't have my kind of grit. And he's like getting beaten unconscious and thrown out of cities in his pursuit of Christ. And I'm like, because I'm preaching today in an air-conditioned building. But it does, it gives me like a different perspective. It gives me like a different uh, way to approach my pursuit of Christ-likeness to make it competitive. And I want to do it better than all of y'all. And then y'all do it better than me. And we could push each other that way. That's how you grow the, the quickest. It's when you got somebody to push you. So maybe a step to that are these, are these goals? Ch- ch- make your goals specific. Make smart goals. There's, there's one pushback to that, and that is that I don't want to be a checklist Christian. Like, a lot of people don't want to, like, do that kind of thing. Because, like, I don't, I, want, I don't want to pray just because I have to pray today. But then there's a circle that you get in that. There's a little cycle you get in that. And that is, you're not praying anyway. <laughs> so so I, don't want to, I don't want to just pray because I have to. So I'm just not going to pray at all. That's a weird, flawed logic. And I would, I would argue that sometimes you, you maybe need to be a checklist Christian. Because sometimes I don't want to just read the Bible because I said I would. Okay, well, don't read it because you want to. But sometimes there's a little something in that that you pick up that's the spark you needed. And now tomorrow I've got to read some more. It gets real easy to, to get into the habit of not. And so if you find that you're in the habit of not, just try being a checklist Christian for a little bit. But go into it prayerfully. Father God, I, I know and you know I'm just doing this because I said I was gonna. But let that be worship to you as well. Still teach me. Open my heart up. Set your life's purpose 
your top priority on being just like Christ. That's lofty. That's not attainable. So set some smaller goals to get you there. Because I got crazy news for you. You will attain it. You will get there. Because the sacrifice and redemption that Jesus offers us makes us Christ-like. Amen? Number three, persevere to the finish. Persevere to the finish. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. He, this, I, this, I got a bunch of definitions here for press on. One of them actually uses press on in the, in the definition, so I'm not going to read that one. But I like this one, and it fits with the race theme that we got going on. And that is figuratively of one who, ha, who, who is in a race running swiftly to reach the goal. Press on. Run. Sprint. Press on. That's, that's the idea behind the, the word that ends up getting used there. There's a, a, another commentator that, that speaks about Paul and his, his sort of single-mindedness. He lived for the day when the heavenly call would come like a victory in a race. Rather than slack off as some were prone to do, the thought of it motivated him to further purity and service. He was looking forward to the day when he met God, when he met Jesus. Again, I guess, because he kind of met him pretty famously before, briefly. He was looking for the day when, when he was standing in the glory, the full glory of Christ. And that burned him up, man. Because he wanted, when he got there, he wanted to have a, a cabinet full of trophies. He wanted to be like God's guy, Christ's hardest worker. He's got a pretty good leg up on me. He wrote like the back half of this <laughs> holy text. He must have gotten something right because God shows a lot of his stuff to put in his instructions to me. So I got a, a lot to live up to if I want to beat Paul. But I'm running the race till it's over. Running the race till it's over. Part of that for, for you may be, um, maybe like in, in, a, in American culture, like we, we think about um, getting to retirement. That's a goal that a lot of people have, get to retirement be able to have a successful retirement, happy retirement. Part of that for you might be that you just hit retirement or you're about to hit retirement. Congratulations. Maybe a couple years you're going to get there. Keep digging. You'll get there. The news I got for you is that you're not retiring. You're just changing vocations. As a Christian, we don't ever retire. It's just maybe you get a little more free time to study God's Word, to preach God's Word, to teach God's Word. You, now you're just a missionary. You just, changed, you just changed jobs. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In due season we will reap. Let us not grow weary of doing good things, 
It's easy to do when you try to help somebody and they spin it around on you and, and reject you. When you try to help somebody and they lie to you, they manipulate you. When you try to help somebody, it's really, really, really easy. I know this for a fact. It's very, very easy when the next person comes that needs help to go, I did good by that person, they hurt me. I did good by that person, they hurt me. I did good by that person, they were lying the whole time. I don't, I'm not going to help anybody else. Keep dropping those seeds. Keep doing those good things. Keep on, keep on, keep on. Drop one seed at a time and the next one. And if that one doesn't grow, drop another one and another one. Soon you'll have a garden. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, at this point in time, his second letter to Timothy, at this point in time, he knows he's facing execution. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I've finished the race. I ran right through the tape. This is our encouragement. Keep on going. Keep on digging. You're not done yet. You're not done yet. We're celebrating a new year. We just got a whole year. Tomorrow starts a new year. We get another one. If we're lucky, we'll get the whole year. If we're really lucky, we get called home. But I'm going to finish the race. I have to drive the, uh, I have to drive, I work in Raleigh. So I have to drive that, the stretch of highway between here and there. And I'm pretty sure people have gotten really bad at driving in the last couple of years. Like people were never great at driving anyway. But then this crazy thing happened, I think, where like the whole world stopped and everybody locked himself in their house for like a year and a half. And it occurred to me only recently that that means that anybody that turned 16 when that happened never really drove. And then anybody that turned 17 or 16 in the middle of it never really drove. And then anybody that turned 16 right at the end of it is now a new driver. And so we dumped like a quarter of a decade of bad drivers on the road at one time. And then a bunch of us forgot how to do it because we weren't doing it anyway. I was, I actually, I was a, a essential personnel, so I had to go back and forth to work even during the heart of the pandemic. So I'm like driving up the like zombie apocalypse highway, which is just me and like one other guy. Felt like, uh, what's his face from, uh, what's his face from uh, the zombie show? I've already forgotten it now. Walking dead. I'm just on my horse going into the city. But what I find is, as I drive, there's crashes all the time. Crashes all the time. And so I let that be a reminder to myself that it's not just me on that road. And so I try to drive as good as possible, but it's entirely possible, through no fault of my own, I'm the one that ends up in the trees. I keep that in the forefront of my brain for this purpose. I need to finish my race. I have to persevere. When I'm tired this morning... I didn't sleep well last night and the alarm went off. It would have been real easy just to sleep through church and let y'all figure it out. I don't know what would have happened if I'd have done that. I definitely wouldn't have got to preach again probably. But On that day, man, Friday, got all these notes, got to prepare. I just want to play video games. Got to get the work in. Otherwise, when I get up here, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Tell you wrong stuff. That's no good. 
persevere. I got to finish my race. Whenever that is, whenever I hit that tape and I get to go home, I want to come through gates of heaven like boom. Not literally. Maybe literally. I don't know. That'd be fun. I'm going to have them string up a, a race tape on gates of heaven. I'm just going to leap through it. That'd be ridiculous. I bet God's ridiculous enough to do it. We'll talk later. In, in the book of Joshua, the Israelites have been wandering around the desert. And this guy, Caleb, do you know Caleb? This guy, Caleb, he's my guy. I like Caleb. I'll, I'll, read, you, I'll read you his account. This is Joshua 14. This cord is driving me nuts. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke to this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. Now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with their great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord has said. Eighty-five years old, Pastor Gary succinctly boils it all down to, give me the hills, give me the giants. I'm 85 years old, and I'm as strong as I ever was. Ladies, any of y'all got a middle-aged husband that thinks he's strong as he ever was? Any of y'all got a husband that's hypothetically 43 years old, just fighting 20-year-old dudes? Any of you have to go like, honey, you're not as young as you used to be. This dude, 85 years old, but I believe him, man. And here's why I believe him. Because he says, and may it be that the Lord is with me. He says, I'm as strong as I was back then. I'd have beat him then. I'll beat him now. And the reason why is because God said it was going to happen. Give me the hills. Give me the giants. I still got a strong right arm. Finish the race. Persevere. Whatever that means to you. Don't give up. Don't take a day off. Stay in the Word. Pray. Make those smart goals happen every single day that you'll get stronger and bolder and more Christ-like and more Christ-like and more Christ-like. You can do it, right? We got this. So to take inventory, I want you to take inventory where you are in, in regards to this, in regards to your resolution, in regards to attaining Christ-likeness, where you are. Just be honest, have an honest assessment with yourself. And I want to do something a little different. Is I want to just give you some silence for you to pray for you to be with God, for you to meditate and listen to his message to you, for him to speak into your heart. And as you're looking through it, think through where, where is your struggle? What's the hang-up? What's getting you? Are you hung up on something in the past? 
Are you still so excited about that game-winning touchdown you scored 46 years ago? Is it something that you did that was awful? Is it something that makes you feel worthless? Is it an addiction that's had you for a long time, still got you, maybe you're winning now? Is it something terrible you did? Did you hurt somebody? Whatever it is that you go, I can't put Christ's name on my lips because I'm so filthy. I have incredible news. Christ is bigger than whatever that was. He's already cleaned you of it. It's gone. Put it aside. It has no value anymore. Or maybe it's that your, your, your goals have been sort of nebulous and not really followable. I want to be more prayerful. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the, the prayer for the... God, give me some, give me some goals that I, can, I know I can achieve, I can attain. Or is it maybe that you started taking days off? Maybe you haven't persevered through hard times as much. Maybe you haven't taken that next opportunity to help somebody to speak Jesus into their world because the last three or four turned around and snake bit you. Maybe that's where you are. Wherever it is, you know where you are. So take this time and pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this building that we get to worship you. Father God, I just want to lift up the prayers that are coming to you right now. I know you hear them all. I know they're like a chorus of music to you, your children singing to you that they want to be closer to you. I just ask that you lift up the hearts of everybody who's praying to you, that they know their prayers are being heard. And that in your time and in your way, their prayers will be answered. I ask that you put a fire in their heart to get closer to you. Father God, you know I pray the same for myself. I want to be closer to you. I want to be like Christ. I want to be like your son. Father God, we love you. Be with us in this new year. Amen.